Welcome to Progress Over Perfection, proudly sponsored by Dirty Shaker. Dirty Shaker provide high quality clothes for men and women, whether you're in the gym or heading out with friends. Visit dirtyshaker.bigcartel.com and enter the promo code STR10 for 10% off all purchases. Now, onto the show. This is Progress Over Perfection. We've always believed in something called progress. A spotlight on health, fitness, mindset, and nutrition. It has the potential to change your whole life. Explore the how, where, and why people exercise. Exercise can indeed transform your life. And now, Sam Radford. Hello and welcome to Progress Over Perfection, episode 11. Tonight I'm joined by Nikki Davis. So first of all, thank you very much for joining me. You're welcome. Um, now I'm going to try and get all your qualifications and career progression correct. So your postural... Stability instructor. That's it. And also... Uh, I've just completed my MSc in Applied Sport and Exercise Science yes, at Derby Uni. Which we will get round to at some point. Um and Nikki is very gratefully uh, joined me tonight because not only amongst all those activities, you also are a physique competitor. Yeah, I'm a bikini um, competitor. And you've competed in how many competitions so far? Uh, I've done five so far five in the so past far. two years. Um, and obviously this is something that is, it's kind of alien to a lot of people. Um, and it's one of those things that I wanted to get a little bit more information about. Um, but before we start that, we will go with the, the usual format. We'll do our three questions. So predominantly where do you train for the time being for your sort of health and fitness um so at the minute i train at clifford health club and spa which is in long eaton um and i sometimes train at the foundry in ripley um i just train at cliff i live in derby however i travel to long eaton just because the gym's got a lot more equipment that i need which is beneficial for training yeah so obviously um the how is is strength training and resistance training would be i assume yeah, so I do strength training and resistance training and I mix it up with like, I have like strength blocks depending um, whereabouts I am in my season of training within the year. Um, yeah, and I have like six week mesocycles, so I'm going to detail about that. Yeah. Uh, well, we'll come around to that because, I mean, I suppose when I say the the third question is why do you train, obviously initially you would say why, well, because you're a physique competitor, but I'm assuming, and I, this is an assumption, that you didn't start with that being your aim. I'm assuming you just started going to the gym and you progressed into physique competing, or, or am I wrong? Is that what your kind of aim was when you first started training? Yeah, so when I first started training, I was into running, so I didn't do any resistant training actually, and this was probably about six years ago. Um, I then, I think I just got chatting to some guys that worked in the gym and they were showing me um, some resistant training and like free weights and then following that I had a coach so I had more of a structured training program so that's where I went into more resistant training and like stopped doing the running and then I experienced being with like a couple of different coaches and then I'm with the one that I'm with now that I've been with for like two and a half years so yeah my main reason was um initially just because i enjoyed training right so was the, the <clears throat> fact obviously you were doing the running before the weights was it the fact that you didn't um you had like didn't have the confidence to start with the weight training or it just didn't interest you at that point no yeah it didn't really interest me to be honest but um i've always kind of fluttered in and out of different kind of um sports so like horse riding a little bit of judo i even tried ballet actually when i was younger and so yeah i got bored of the running after a while so i just decided to try something different right okay i mean obviously the the, phys the physique side of things obviously um so i've got a little bit a little bit of a sort of digger deep on that at the minute so 
obviously it's not just a case of you go to the gym you eat well and then you rock up on the day like there is a lot that goes into it so from the point of which you decide you want to compete in how do you start what's the first thing you do basically when someone says have you thought about competing you go well no but i might be interested what's the next kind of step from that that side of things um well for me when i started with my coach i didn't actually my goal wasn't to compete so i just wanted to get some progress from training and um had a very restrictive diet before so we were just like going for a phase of changing my body composition and then i went to a couple of shows and watched some competitors and that's how i got interested in it but for somebody that isn't into competing at the minute that's interested i would suggest for you to follow other competitors on social media and maybe get in contact with a coach um, a repertoire coach um, to guide you because that's really helped me yeah i mean the key word there i suppose is reptile there must be so many people out there that don't do it because you hear so many horror stories of the way people you know cut weight and the way that they, and it must be so easy to find someone that does it in a really unhealthy way so finding yeah. a reputable good coach that you trust must be massively important um and obviously we were just talking there before we started obviously i was saying that i imagine that within your kind of world as in like your friendship group it is predominantly based around like health and fitness people people that have competed and things like that so do you feel there's a, a stigma stigmatism when you meet new people and you and it comes with a conversation oh yeah i've competed in you know bikini fitness and things like that what what what's kind of the reaction you get from people when you first say it yeah um i mean sometimes you people are quite shocked and most competitors will get it where you show someone a picture and they'll be like oh that isn't you you know because it looks nothing like you but obviously we don't walk around like stationary yeah. like that all year round and then you obviously get negative comments off people that probably don't really understand that lifestyle. Mm. And sometimes that can be like close family members. Um, but to be honest, I don't, when I first not initially meet people, that isn't one of the first things that I tell them about myself. Yeah. And maybe because of that, maybe I think of other people's opinions. Yeah. However, I enjoy what I do. So yeah, I don't know. I don't really feel like I have to go and tell people all the yeah, time. Yeah. It's, not a, it's not a huge part of my life. Like for me, it's a hobby. Yeah. So it isn't me. It isn't just me. I've got other things that... Um, I'd like to focus on as well apart yeah. from that so obviously we'll, we'll come back to that in the um, in the moment then. so obviously the other things that you do so obviously you do the um, we'll talk about the your qualifications you've just done and this is obviously close to my heart because I was involved in the sort of latter stages of it because uh, we obviously met a few months ago when I agreed to help you do some I suppose clinical trials would be the, the way to describe it um, for your qualification in, and you, I'll let you say it again <laughs> the MSc in Applied yeah. Sport and Exercise Science. That one, yeah. Um, and that basically involved me being on a treadmill and running a lot. <laughs> and anyone that knows me knows how much I absolutely hate running. Um, but it was very interesting to be a part of. Um, so what kind of took you down that path of looking for those qualifications um, and trying to like further your career in that way? Okay. Um, so before I actually started my degree... I was interested in going into like health and um, like nursing, so I did a foundation course. However, after that, I realised that I was getting interested in like sport and exercise um, as like a common interest just for myself. And I was thinking that maybe I'd go into teaching like um, younger children PE. So I enrolled onto the my undergrad and I completed that. And then after that, I kind of didn't really know what to do for my next year, and I ended up applying for my MSc. So that's how I got into that route as well right okay where I'm now. and, and now what what's kind of the end goal because i think you, well, you've just said now that you are 
sort of now going towards the PhD route, even though you weren't sure a few months ago if that's something you wanted to pursue. But now I think you look like you're going to be doing that. So it's, if you do pursue that, what's what's next, or is is that kind of still opening for the time being? Um, yeah, it's kind of open for the time being. Like I'm always looking for different opportunities. Um, however, the end result of that would probably be for me to be teaching. Uh, maybe something like physiology that's the main area that I'm interested in so following it join the PhD I can teach alongside that so I'll gain some experience um, and yeah I'll, I'll probably continue I really enjoy doing research so I'll also try and do some research alongside that even when I am qualified yeah I mean um, so just jumping back to what we we're discussing about your sort of yeah your training obviously I mean how many times a week do you train at the moment because are you, are you in the off season at the moment or are you um, yeah so I'm in my off season however at the minute I'm halfway through a fat loss phase right um, which is just a five to six week period just so um, I can decrease my body fat before holiday because right. I haven't uh, it's been a while since I've died to join my off season I started my off season in September so um, I've had quite a long period of time um, gaining and then maintaining my body weight. Um, yeah, because yeah, I mean, obviously, there's a. Do you feel obviously I said I said there's a stigmatism about competing side of things. Do you find from a female point of view, possibly more so from family members, that when you are in a whether you want to call it a shred, a cut, or reduced cut, whatever, yeah. do you find there's a little bit more of a judgment um, on females that are, that are like consciously wanting to be in a calorie deficit and things like that? Because I think with men, it's almost you get away with it a little bit more i think possibly because men can eat a little bit more generally yeah. um is there a bit more of a thing attached where people go oh don't well, don't go too far with it and don't lose too much weight and there's always that little like the comments you get from people saying like oh no haven't you haven't you haven't you gone a bit too far now or things like that do you ever find anything like that from people that you know or family members or things like that yeah i think like people that aren't involved in competing definitely because they don't realize how um lean you have to get to be stage lean and it depends which federations you're with at the minute. So it's not about just losing weight. It you want to maintain that muscle and decrease your body fat, which is kind of really hard. Well, it's a lifestyle, isn't it? It's, it's not yeah. something you casually do. Like you have to. You basically that becomes your life. Everything you yeah. do is, is is geared around that. So when you are in competing mode, yeah, and you are going to be off some reduced calories, things like that. Does that affect um, like your relationship with food in a negative way? Mm, not really I try and just focus on other things so um, when I'm deep in competition prep I just keep myself occupied like keep busy maybe go for a walk um, I've always been studying alongside competing so I've always had that to concentrate on and just try and um, avoid being so food focused I mean at the end of a competition prep you're going to be hungry no matter what calories you're on because you're in a deficit and you've probably been in a deficit for a long period of time I mean, my first competition competition prep I was in I was dieting for about 30 weeks oh wow so it was very slow prep um did you have a slow taper down in calories then or did you were you in yeah. do, were you in quite a big deficit from from the get-go no so you really want to have like um decreased calories by a minimal amount to begin with because if you're going all out um well my coach always says using all the tools in the toolbox then by the time of the getting close to the end of the, your competition prep you'll be doing like mountains of cardio and you'll be on very little calories so we try and reduce it very gradually and then in between that time i'll have weeks where i'm at a maintenance so my calories are just at a maintenance for that week um, and then i may go back into a deficit again i mean do you ever struggle with um the mental side of it where you know 
if you have say I can't know you eat something that's we've all gone say like 20 30 calories over does does even that kind of minute amount of calories sort of play with your mind a little bit because you hear about these people that do competing where they, they kind of lose all all grip of, of calories and things like that because they're so focused that they go 10 20 over and suddenly it's like the end of the world have you ever sort of felt like tethered to it in that way uh, no, I was probably a bit more cautious on my first competition prep. However, I do work within a range of my macros. So I could be within like a certain percent, percentage below or um, above the calories that my um, coach sets for me. So within that, even now in the off season, I've got that range. So if I'm over by like 10 grams on my carb, carbohydrates, um, I don't really worry about that. Right. I mean, obviously, yeah. I, t- I assume that your coach w- has competed as well in the past. No. Oh, is he not? No, he's a strength and conditioning coach for Derby right. County. So, who, when you, um, when you're having, you know, when you're getting towards that that end stage, where obviously you are going to be, you're going to be tired. I would imagine. I would imagine yeah. you are going to feel actually, because they always say that even though you look your best, you're actually your weakest because you've not got the food and you've not got the carbohydrates. You've not got, you know the energy really um who do you speak to about that is it other people that have that friends that have competed and things like that that you must have met on the circuit yeah so some of my close friends like one of my close friends danny she's got a lot of experience in competing as well we have the same coach at the minute um yeah she gives me some really good advice and then also my coach because although he hasn't competed um he's been involved in bodybuilding and he's um coached me myself danny um, and a couple of other females as well and he's just kind of like an all-round coach so he's really good at like the um psychology side of things as lo- as well as the physiolo- physiological side as well so right. yeah it gives me a lot of support if I didn't have that then I think I would struggle a lot yeah I mean cause obviously with with, the, with competing I think it's one of those things where it I don't think just anyone can do it I think you've got to have a, have a certain mindset for it because I think if you're one of those people that is and I don't mean this to sound sort of overly mean but if you're quite weak mentally yeah. I think you would crumble doing it because it, it's got to play with your head especially if you're you know maybe someone that's been been at very overweight and then loses weight and then wants to lose even more weight to compete I think seeing yourself in that kind of flux and then freaking out over you know a half a pound here and there I think it, it, it would have a very negative effect on some people but it sounds like you've got a really good handle on it so but you must have seen quite a a dark side of it through I imagine being in the circuit I mean have you, have you yeah. seen people that you sort of look and go I don't think this is for you you should you're not really suited to this um I don't like I do know of girls that have like if you like binged etc like after the show um and maybe haven't handled it so well but maybe they have a different outlook on it you know like they want to be stage lean all year round when actually it's that isn't possible mm. so I think you need to know that already and just be aware that you, you know you do you're gonna probably have like I don't know like you are gonna have this is probably gonna occur after post show that you're gonna have the negative um impacts from being so lean <laughs> yeah because obviously ultimately you're gonna get used to seeing yourself in a certain way and the, yeah. end, the end goal for this short period of time is to is to look like that and then within really a matter of days of actually eating decent amount of calories obviously I assume that you you periodically increase your calories right you don't want to just go from having say I know 1300 suddenly having 2000 you obviously I assume you you notch it up or do you just go yeah. straight back like, um, well I, I go straight back to maintenance so the day after the show I tend to 
Um, I don't weigh myself and I probably just don't really don't really weigh what I'm eating, but I'm not stupid. Like yeah. I eat my regular foods and then a couple of days after we then put a plan in place and it always goes straight to maintenance because I want to get my body back to a normal state. Uh, however, the maintenance would obviously be a lot lower than what it was originally because I'm a lot smaller. Um, and you do get a lot of hunger. So I, like I've had periods where I've had extreme hunger, but I know that no matter how much I eat, it doesn't go. That isn't going to go. So you've got to be, like be kind of strong and um, like stick to you know your calories. Otherwise, I just think if I'm going to overeat and I'm obviously then going to binge and have a really bad rebound, which is going to have a negative effect on me like mentally. Well, like we're saying there, obviously, I think it comes down to the want versus need aspect. Because um, yeah. when I uh, I was talking to, I think on the last pod, I was talking to, to Tim about it. Um, when I I lost quite a bit before Christmas last year, and I did I did a photo shoot, which again was was completely out of my comfort zone, something I never thought I'd do. And obviously the scales are different, but I for me I lost a lot. You know, obviously it was wasn't stage or anything like that. Um, but I felt like I'd been restrictive for a, I don't know. I think it was 10 12 week process yeah and then i'd said that the day after um the photo shoot i was going to eat what i want and not worry about it um and i had the couple of weeks leading up to it i'd reduced my calories lower than they was they still weren't ridiculously low but they were lower than i would want them to be most yeah. of the time um and the next day i was driving home and i was like eating everything and i just wasn't it got to the point where because i knew i could i did and I didn't necessarily need to eat half things that I was doing. And uh, and I think as I said to Tim, I, I said I wasn't gonna track. And then I got home and just out of <laughs> sheer sort of curiosity, I thought I'll just put it in and see what I've had. And I had three and a half thousand calories. And that was before my evening meal, which was gonna be a takeaway. So I easily would have done probably over 5,000 calories. And it wasn't like I'd eaten volume, it was small things that were just sweet and nice. Calorific. And, and I think that must be so easy to do post, post-comp, post because you hear so many people, especially if they haven't done well in the comp. I think obviously if you've done well, yeah. maybe it's a different mindset, but I think if you've not done well, you think, well, what was the point? And then you sort of like, you can just binge and binge and binge, and then obviously you balloon, and then you hate the way you look, because you don't know the way you were. It, it must really play with your mind if you've not got that plan in place like you, you said you have. Yeah, I think it's really beneficial to have a coach post-competition. Um, so if you had a coach during your competition, then to remain with your coach after, because, I mean, the support that you get is just invaluable, you know? I really need that, especially in my first competition prep, because I didn't know what, that, what I was going to experience after. Um, for me, it's always been really good because I've always had like four weeks before I was competing again in the finals. So that period of time that kept me focused, obviously, to continue. And then one thing that someone always says to me is that, you know, the food's always there. It isn't going anywhere. So those cookies, the donuts, you can only eat so much and they're always going to be there. You don't need to go all out like straight away. But like another thing that I feel like really helps is that I don't follow a meal plan. So my approach to competing, I do flexible dieting. So my coach in the last two and a half years, he's never given me a strict meal plan to follow, even coming up to competing. So I'm a flexible dieter, I do if it fits your macros. However, I'm like 80% a whole foods, 20% um, you know, foods that aren't so great, I guess. Um, so that helps with post-show, and there's a lot of research that can support that as well, that you know, restricting the foods can lead to bigger binge compared to being more yeah. flexible because I don't feel like I've been restricted because I've been eating chocolate and bagels just a day before I was competing. Just a reduced 
amount. Yeah. So yeah. people always say, "What do you what do you eat?" And I'm, I eat the same. I just eat smaller amounts. And obviously, as my calories decrease, I opt for the healthier options because they're more calorie. Um, they're more. Um, they've got more volume for the calories. You know. Yeah. No, I completely agree. I mean, I, I'm, that's one thing that I was really trying. Um, I try and do whenever I'm on. Well, I say I would say a cut, but I would think when you when you say a cut, that means that you're you're already very lean and you're trying to get leaner. I think I'm just trying to lose weight. Um, and yeah, I was I was saying last week I always leave myself like a thousand calories for the evening, knowing that realistically yeah. a thousand calories is a good evening meal, and it still leaves you with a something to have a, a sweet something yeah, yeah, in the evening because I think when we've spoken in the past like you've got a sweet tooth like, like yeah. me and like for me, <laughs> for me it, I, it is always sweet stuff it's never things like crisps and sausage rolls and pork pies I mean yeah, they're not they're not bad but my go to is chocolate and stuff like that so and I always feel like I need to have something otherwise I do feel like I'm being restrictive and then I am more likely to you know not have one chocolate bar and not have five because it's like well I've not had any for you know three weeks or something like that Um, so when you're um obviously you've got that support structure in place for the post show yeah so when you've actually completely stopped you've you've either placed or you haven't placed like the the, the competition completely done do you still train with the same trainer continually or do you then do your own thing until the next competition no so i've always had structured off season so i've been with my coach i think two and a half years now and i've had two years of competing with him um, and yeah, this is my first, my longest off season. Um, at the minute, I think I'm on about ten months into the off season, and I won't be competing until end middle to end of next year. But yeah, I think it's beneficial. It depends what you want. Like, I want to get the most out of my training time because I don't have a lot of time. So I like my training to be structured, so I'm progressing all the time in my um, reps or my loads, and also that. I'm doing the most optimal training to get the results that I want for competing. So, and also, yeah, I get a lot of experience from having a coach because I've learned a lot from him. Yeah. I could probably do my own programs, um, but like time-wise and just have that reassurance from someone else who's probably more qualified than me in that area. Yeah, it takes it takes one less thing for you to worry about. Yeah. So, obviously, with you were saying that you, um, you still make sure that you have quote-unquote treats or just the food that you enjoy just a smaller yeah. so do you find that you don't suffer with things like you know the mood swings that you hear people, you know when people are in a big deficit and they do feel like they restrict themselves so do you do you suffer that does your partner ever say oh god you're grumpy today or whatever things like that or do you find that you can maintain quite a nice balance uh no i, I still get that no like the, the food doesn't make a difference with that so <laughs> my first year competing um, I was single then, so that didn't really matter because I could sleep when I wanted. Uh, you haven't got to think about somebody else. Whereas I felt like it was a bit of a challenge um, this year, um, just because obviously my mood then affects my partner. And also one main thing for me, not so much the moods, I think, was sleeping all the time. You know, falling asleep really early in the evening, obviously it's not really good for a relationship. Yeah, yeah. But obviously it's, it's I assume because it, with it being a... 
well twofold obviously it's only for a short period it's not a prolonged thing that you're going to keep doing and doing and doing so yeah. obviously they, they, they can say look you know bear with me for these x amount of weeks yeah but obviously he he's also into his health and fitness so it's not as if he's doing you're doing something that's completely alien to him i know he doesn't doesn't compete does he no no he just trains but um yeah he's quite understanding i think yeah. you need that if you want to compete in yeah you're in a relationship yeah. you need that additional support i think it's, it's it's good that it's kind of a joint hobby in that respect he understands why you're at the gym and why you're doing those sort of things yeah. so um what you're saying then about obviously you feel you could do your own program is that something you'd ever think about doing is actually going into the coaching side of things even if it's something like cause I've, I've seen you, if you've got a posing coach things like that as well um yeah i do um utilize posing coaches um coming up close to a competition so maybe when i have a competition in um date in place like four or five months before um and i'm practicing when i do my check-ins like um every two weeks with my checking photos of my coach but yeah utilize different posing coaches and depending on which federation i'm um, doing as well um just yeah you really need to get that practicing because that's like half of um your marks you know when you're on stage so you've done half the work getting the body into um stage lean and you know the Show competition that you want yeah then you need to know how to present that i must admit it wasn't until I actually saw one of your social media posts and you mentioned the posing coach, it had never even occurred to me that that was a thing. <laughs> I just assumed that, oh, well, yeah, they all pose the same way. They obviously all just know how to do it. I'd never actually thought no. this, someone's job is get, oh, you, you do this, you stand like this, you do... I, I, that's one of the things I'd never really considered. Um, so if someone... So you said earlier that if uh, someone was considering competing, yeah. you'd obviously find, it, you know, find a good coach, things like that. So... Is that the very first thing you'd say? Would you would you say like do research and find out if the lifestyle is something that you think you can do first um, before I looking think, for a coach? I think sometimes you don't know until you're doing it. You know, mm. I know a lot of people that say they're going to compete, maybe have a date in mind, and they decide not to do it because they don't really follow it through halfway through. Um, but I know the first thing I would suggest would be to go to the shows, um, have a look at the physiques, have a look at what it entails, and then see if you want to do that. And then, yeah, to get a coach just because it really helps, like, time-wise and it just takes the pressure off. Because um, you've done, you've obviously done quite well from your actual competing, from, if I'm right. You've obviously placed a few, haven't you? And you've, you've, got, you've won a few competitions, haven't you? Or, or have I um, yeah, so my first ever show, I came second in the UK BFF and I qualified for the finals. Um, I didn't place in the British finals and then I had six months off and I competed again. Um... Oh, sorry, I did Darby Next Fitness model, actually, and I came second in that. That was quite a small show. And then I had some time off, and I did a qualifier for UK BFF again. That was last year. Um, I came first, but it was a really small show again. Um, however, I qualified for the Arnold Classic, so I did my first international show um, in 2018 in Barcelona. I didn't wow. place in that, but it was a really good experience, and I was just going for the experience, to be honest. How does it... How does it feel when, obviously, if you're going for flat that one, like you say, you're going for the experience. Yeah. But going into a competition where ultimately, to do something like that, you've got to be competitive, even if it's just with yourself, you've got to be competitive. So how does it feel when you put yourself through that and you don't place? Do, do you feel like, right, I go again, or is it, oh, that was okay, or is it, that was a waste of time? Where do you kind of land, or is it different every time? Um, I think it's different every time, but with the Arnold's especially, um, I, I didn't think I was going to place and to be honest I chose to do the Arnold's instead of doing the British which was over here and I was going to do the British two weeks after but I decided not to just because that prep was just really challenging prep for me 
Um, but yeah, my coach, you know, it doesn't really set me up. It sets me up like, so I'm, so I'm not going to be disappointed, you know? I don't, I'd, obviously I'd like to win, but I don't go into the show thinking I'm going to it's win. It's the being end all. Yeah, yeah, because I don't know who's going to show up on that day. Someone could be training for a longer period of time to compared to me. Um, yeah, you just don't know. So I never go in thinking that I'm going to win. However, I would be confident if I know I've done a lot of training, um, done everything that I needed to do, and yeah, my posing's on point and stuff like that. I feel confident, but I wouldn't really say I'm disappointed when I don't place because so, it's a hobby. Yeah, so you go into it more of a with, with a, a sense of self achievement and a pride that you've been able to do something that not everyone can do. I know that they, they always say, you know, you can put your mind to anything, you can do it, and you can, but certain people mentally aren't geared to do that. I, I know from my point of view, having been someone that's been very overweight, that there's no way I could do that. I just ha I don't think I've got the right mental kind of makeup to get that lean. Like I, you know, I, I kind of bought, I'm always on that weight loss journey, but I don't think that I could handle getting that lean. And I know for a fact that I would binge afterwards. I know that I would, and then I'd get really down about the fact I've put weight on. And it, I know personally it would mess with my that head. Mentally. Yeah, I don't think I, I'd do very well with it. But then I kind of recognise that in myself. Um, because I know in our training group, uh, a few of the guys have said to Jamie, obviously who you know made his sort of name doing a fitness uh, or you know, physique competing, um, you know some of the guys are thinking about doing it, and he kind of said, "Look, just make sure it's for you. Don't just assume that you can do it." He says, "You know, I get that you've got that might be a name, that might be a dream, that might be a target, but sort of don't sort of go from being." moderately to overweight guy to wanting to get shredded to the point of you know no return because you need to sort of find that happy stage where you actually will be content and if you yeah. can maintain that then maybe think about going down but knowing that after that you're going to have to go back to the the middle ground again yeah i think it, i mean i mean do you see many people that have competed that have then gone completely the other end of the scale and then gone big as a result um I haven't I've seen no I've seen posts on social media about um like people just kind of swelling up post show and saying oh um, they've experienced doing that and you know they wouldn't recommend it and that's what they did in the prep whereas the next one they have tried to avoid doing that um now I know a lot of people just kind of fall out of love with competing I guess that it's not a very good experience for them because after they've probably I know like claims have like an eating disorder or um, not a very good relationship with food. However, I think sometimes it, that depends how you approach the prep in the first place. Um, for me, you know, like you said, you won't be able to do it. Mm. I never thought I'd be able to compete. And I can remember saying to my coach, like, oh, I'm thinking about doing a competition. And like you're saying, suggesting what, you know, which federation to go mm. for. And I was like, oh, do you think I could do that? Like, you know, obviously I doubted myself before I even began. And I did quite well in my first show. And that thing that uh, spurred me on. But I don't know, I, I know that once I've competed, I've got to go back to a normal body composition, you know, and a lot of it for health reasons. Yeah. So if you're focusing on more your health post-show and maybe other areas of training, like, you know, strength training and set little small goals um, instead of just thinking about being stage lean, I think that's the best approach to go at. Yeah, I think, no, I completely agree. I think, like you say, you've got to, you've got to have that in your mind that you can't walk around that way all year round it's just I mean you see the problem is you see some people on social media that are 
well, I say they are, they appear to be that shredded all year round. And I think that, unfortunately, gives people unrealistic expectations of what yeah. you can achieve. And not, you know, not everyone can be like that because you're talking about the top level genetics in some case of people that can, you know, be unbelievably big with, you know, crazy low body fat percentage. And unfortunately, that people get in the mind of that's how I need to look. And it's not really for the everyday man yeah that, like that, that, that achievable that for them that could be their main like you know that's a full-time job like they may be fortunate to be able to just do that whereas obviously like you say an everyday average person probably like myself i have to work i have to study um yeah so i have to focus on other things as well and i don't walk around like that all year round yeah. <laughs> It'd be very hard <laughs> i mean i'll be honest the only thing that would tempt me to compete in is the tan because as an <laughs> incredibly pale person um, I've always seen people like when you see photos of people that compete and they look so dark mahogany and, and I think <laughs> that's ridiculous and then when I did my photo shoot I wasn't going to have a tan so I was like I'm having a spray tan are you mad and, and they said look if you don't your photos will look terrible and obviously I wasn't in that fitness bubble because I was training with a, a load of guys online so all my mates were suddenly like why, why have you got a tan Where's this come from? And it, and it was it was obviously it wasn't even subtle. Like, it, but like you look at yourself in the mirror, and you think I can see all these little muscles that weren't there before. It, it, it's amazing what a difference it makes. Yeah. Um, so yeah, that that would be the thing I think would tempt me into it. So um, going back to the the studying side of things, then. So you've obviously uh, now considering doing your PhD, so obviously you can get your further qualifications going to teaching. Yeah. Is that what you always wanted to do, or have you come to it later? Um, the realization I, that is that I say. Yeah, I think a bit later, really. Um, since I've been doing the masters, like I was doing like um, demonstrator support kind of work um, at the university. So for the first years in physiology, and I enjoyed doing that. And I feel like now, if I get that experience and then. Um, build up to take more responsibility within the teaching roles that's something that I'd enjoy because I just I really enjoy the topic it's something that I could talk you've been in the lab with me yeah. I could talk about for ages so oh, yeah I, I think it's brilliant I think it's always good when you there's something that you're not only doing as a job obviously you're passionate about because obviously yeah. I've come into quote-unquote health and fitness a little bit later in life um, but I could talk about it for hours it fascinates me you know and I've only got a very kind of entry level based knowledge i mean we, we were talking um before we started recording about the results of the of the testing that you did and it was just like so much information and i was like <laughs> it kind of all makes sense but the fact that you were just like reeling off like yeah yeah this all makes sense to me um i find that sort of sort of fascinating because i think the, the more we learn about what the body can and can't do and how it reacts into certain situations i think it's fascinating so um but you clearly enjoy that side of things obviously the um you said you didn't enjoy this sort of quote-unquote study part of it but you, but you enjoyed the, the, the learning the, the finding out the results of the of the tests and stuff like that yeah and being more hands-on I guess um like obviously in the lab and stuff that stuff that I just really enjoy as well but I'm always in like whenever I've got a new topic that I'm researching like the stuff for the PhD now like I'm so involved in that now I'm interested like I just like to learn different things in different areas yeah so obviously when you um sort of end up you know you, you qualify phd and obviously hopefully you progress doing the sort of teaching side of things do you think you would still try and do that alongside maybe competing or would you think you'd just stick to general training how would you would you try and keep the two married together or would you think you'd have to maybe compromise on one of them um 
well all throughout my studies so like my third year I was dieting for my show um my first show whilst I was trying to complete my dissertation and I struggled with that a little bit and then this year I was just starting the MSc where I was away in Barcelona competing and that's when I came back and that's also one of the reasons why I decided not to continue competing into the next month just because I missed quite a few weeks of my studies already um so yeah I mean I haven't definitely set a date on when I want to compete next year just because I need to see if I'm definitely getting onto the PhD that I want to do and the competing may have to take a back seat and I may have to reduce my training days um, somehow but it depends how I can cope with that workload and training as well. Yeah. I've been able to do it in the past however obviously my career in um, with my studies is more important to me as the um, competing is just a hobby. Yeah, yeah, I suppose obviously, unfortunately, like many things, hobbies unfortunately have to sometimes take a bit of a backseat to yeah. thing. So, obviously, you said earlier that you, you get asked the dreaded question of what do you eat? And then you kind of have to turn around and go, I eat everything. Like, yes. I just, I just, <laughs> and I, I've had it to the same respect. So, obviously, I've lost uh, quite a bit of weight, um, albeit I still eat, again, all the things I want to, just in, in smaller, smaller quantities. So, from a from a female side of things, because you're you're the first uh, female guest I've had on the show. Yes. So it's obviously it's interesting hearing your perspective because obviously all the people that I speak to are the people that I tend to follow, and it's always men, men, men. So you kind of you kind of get that one blunt trauma mindset of it's of the, of the man's outlook of things. So if a girl that was overweight and came to you and said, "Right, I want to you know do I want to lose weight," can you could you set me a plan? what's the first thing you tell them to do is it would be would you sit down and go right let's work out your calories let's do this because and the reason I ask this is because I think with men sometimes a bit of tough love can be yeah. easy you can go right you're eating too much this is what you need to maintain this is what you need to lose and this yeah. is what you need to whatever you know build if that was what they wanted to do track your food here's some workouts just go go chimp go but obviously I assume and I might be it with women that, that you maybe have to structure it a bit differently and you have to sort of like explain things a bit differently and try and be a little bit more gentle because even something as daft as the gym some women find it intimidating going to the gym and a lot of people say that resistance training is the best way of training so how would you kind of structure someone's initial entry into weight loss from, from a female side of things um so i'm just trying to think from my own experience with my coach is yeah. that to begin with, I'd probably just have them um, monitor what they're currently eating because you don't know how many calories they're on to begin with and they probably don't know either. So it's quite surprising to begin with. So to work out that, um, to find out how many calories they're currently eating and then obviously find out their actual goal because sometimes someone's goal, what they say it is, isn't what they actually want. Yeah. Um, and then, yeah, maybe just look at their calorie intake and work from there where I need to reduce um, calories and also look at the different food types that they're eating. So I wouldn't necessarily ever give anybody a set meal plan. However, I'd have an idea of foods and certain food types to suggest to them or recommend, for example. But I wouldn't give them a set meal plan to begin yeah, with. Yeah, yeah, and that's something that I've sp spoke to um, other personal trainers about in the past. And obviously, I think giving someone a set meal plan is so dangerous because it's just not a one size fits all thing. No. Um, I I got a meal plan a while ago, 
and um, it, you know, it said like you know breakfast porridge. And at the time, I just couldn't stomach porridge. I really wanted to because everyone raves about all these porridge oats and they look really good, but I couldn't stomach yeah. it. Um, so straight away, I was like, oh well, I can't do that. Right, I've got like X amount hundred of carbs I need to find, and I was it like stressed me out and things like that. So I think you like you say, you definitely need to figure out what people want to eat. And I think um, it's it, when people want to lose weight, they do that natural thing is where they go, oh, I'm not eating carbs. Yeah, well, that's so. And, and it's like why. Yeah. Why carbs are awesome? Why would you want? To? But then again, it's hypocritical because I've been that guy. I've done every you know fad you can think of, but I've done it with no knowledge of what I was doing. Um, as as I spoke about with with Tim um, last week, who's a who's a personal trainer. Uh, you know, I'd I'd literally read the headline of an article and go, "Yeah, I'm gonna do that." Oh, cool, <laughs> caveman diet. Just eat everything that a caveman can find. Right, berries and fruit. Brilliant. So I was eating berries and fruit and but uh, sorry and, uh, and and meat, but then I was like, well, that's great, but I was clearly still going over my calories, even though I was just eating all this raw stuff. And that's like, oh, I'll do paleo and I oh, will do this and do that or you know Atkins. But I think it's it's amazing how many people don't know about the basics: calories in, calories out, keep your protein high. Yeah, I mean, I do follow that. However, with the food types, I'd say like the, you know, 70, 80% whole foods, just because some foods do have a thermogenic effect um, as well. So although, yeah, your basics are calories in, calories out. Well, I'm saying that from the point of someone yeah. who's a complete novice. So, yeah. so someone that has no knowledge and it's just trying to edge them in. Because I've started, I've had people ask me like, oh, could you look at my calories for me? And I've like, yeah, yeah, cool. And I've sat chatting to them and I can hear myself go in into too much detail, and I can think, yeah, okay, yeah. I'm losing them here. Just start with eat eat more, or sorry, eat less than you your output is, and then generally, I, and I say keep your protein high because if it, if they're doing that with resistance training as well, but then obviously as you say, um, there is that the element of you need to look at just yes, if you were to only say you're a man on two thousand four hundred calories. If you had two thousand four hundred calories of chocolate, technically you'd be in a calorie deficit, but it's not the greatest. Yeah, is it the healthiest? Yeah, way? <laughs> exactly. Um, so obviously, yeah, you are completely right that you do need to actually go go that level below. So, would you initially start with calories, or would you would you sort of give them straight away? Say, look, actually, we're going to put you on reduced calories, but try and eat, try and aim to eat around this, this, and this, but without telling them a, a meal plan. Um, yeah, so I've had before like a chart um, from where when I very first started working with my coach and it just has recommendations of protein sources, um, carbohydrates and fats, very simple. And basically because I was on a very restrictive diet and I only really ate about six different food types um, for every single day for a very, very long time. Mm. So when I was sort of working with my coach and you know I realised I could have all these different foods and actually I was then losing weight and my body composition was changing, it was great. I never used to have sauces, um, you know, I literally used to eat chicken, rice, veg, eggs and nuts. And I can remember writing down an example for my coach, like one of the questions when I very first started with him was, um, what do you, like give me an example of what you eat on a regular basis for your meals. And it literally contained like six different foods. So yeah. And yeah, it was really great for me because then my first bikini prep actually felt like it was quite easy for me because I was able to eat all these foods. It was amazing. Yeah, I mean, obviously, uh, 
I've, I've done completely the same thing where um, before I started training with my, my trainer a few years ago, um, I had lost weight, but it was more through luck than judgment. I basically was just training a lot and then I wasn't yes. eating carbohydrates. <laughs> so I kind of, I was losing weight just through, so I was in a, I was in a deficit, but I didn't know why I was a definite deficit. I didn't know how I was, I was just doing it through almost sheer pickheadedness. And then um, I then started realizing that I wasn't losing any more weight. So I then started, you know, going, right, I just need to eat no food. And he's trained, eat no food. So I was having like three or four eggs for breakfast, nothing until midday, protein shake for lunch, going home. And then I'd be like, well, I've not eaten anything all day. I'll have a really big meal and maybe a chocolate bar. But because the, back then my cooking wasn't amazing, um, <laughs> the big meal would have been very, not necessarily big in volume, but big in calories. You put a chocolate bar on top, I was probably at maintenance, if not going slightly over. And I couldn't understand why I wasn't losing weight because I was like, well, I'm hardly eating anything. But it was obviously, yeah. it was the quality. So then I had to do a food diary for my, my trainer and he sort of turned around and went straight away, you aren't eating anywhere near enough and it says over this period, as in like breakfast to my main meal, and they said, but then your main meal, you need to change that because that's just garbage, basically. Um, and doing that, I, just, I was eating seemingly nonstop, but losing weight. And I think that's a really weird mindset to be in when you go from being, I've got to restrict myself, I've got to restrict myself, and then suddenly I get to eat all this food and lose weight. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's awesome, <laughs> it's awesome. Um, so from a, a comp point of view, uh, whether you want to do it in a numbers or percentage, what was the lowest you went calorie wise for I assume you, you you went down the lowest just before the comp or did you, you how did you taper down? Um yeah, so I think last year I was probably on like two thousand three hundred calories maybe in March season. And by the end of my prep, um so I think we did over we always do over twenty weeks, so it's quite a long prep again. Um, I was for the Arnold's. I think one thousand seven hundred, maybe one thousand eight hundred. Non training days, I think maybe one thousand six hundred. But the minute I'm doing like, um, so right now I'm doing a short fat loss phase, and actually my calories are lower um, than what they were then. So my rest day now is like one thousand five hundred. I mean, two thousand three for females, obviously very high. It just shows you the volume of training you must do to obviously maintain. Yeah. Your yeah. Now. Um, <laughs> And obviously, even to be fair, even I think 1,700 isn't actually that low no. for a female. So in some respects, it's obviously it's, it shows how high they can be if you train properly. Because obviously, if you'd be in a big calorie deficit on that quite relatively high calories, yeah, it must make things a lot easier. Because I'm sure girls that are probably short, because you're about 5'8", five, 5'9". Five, um, I'm 5'6". Five, oh, 5'6". Oh, sorry, excuse me, I was thinking. I've got a long leg. Yeah. Um, <laughs> But obviously, when you've got girls that are really small, they must have to drop crazy low on calories. And that's, yeah. that's I suppose, when it gets a little bit sort of dangerous when people drop. Because you, you know people must drop to stupid levels. Yeah. I mean, obviously, I was still in deficit. I was losing about mm. half a pound to a pound a week. And, you know, I, I was hungry on that. And to be honest, if I dropped my calories any lower, um, I probably wouldn't have looked that great when I was competing. And I haven't got that much muscle compared to some other girls. So I can't get down that lean because I haven't got the muscle. Right. Whereas <clears throat> when you've got more muscle, you can probably get down leaner. And also it depends what competition you're doing. So some girls um, in categories above bikini, um, like physique or trained, they have to be a lot leaner. So their calories would be lower. Right. Because they need to be leaner. Yeah. Um, 
So yeah, it depends. And also, obviously, I do a longer prep as well. So if you're doing a short prep, I know some people do like 12 week preps. And so your calories are gonna be low because you've got a very short period of time to lose that body fat that you need to lose. So for me, I prefer to do a longer prep. I've always done a longer prep, coming up to a competition. And then also I feel like the rebound after prep probably isn't so bad either. So because you've had a slow run up rather than going maintenance, 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 massive drop. Yeah. And then straight in. So you you kind of ease yourself into it. I mean, whenever we've mm-hmm. done a, a sort of weight loss thing as part of the group, um, one thing that a lot of guys do is they always try and knock the calories down sometimes too much initially. Yeah. And there's that thing of don't, if you if you do want to say, say for example, you're on, I don't know, two eight, and some guys will go straight down to two one. And you're thinking, that's a crazy big deficit. And why don't you go for a few weeks at two four, get used to that and then go down? Because if you go straight from two eight to two one, at some point you're going to plateau and then you've given yourself nowhere to go. Yeah, using all the tools. And then, yeah, you basically, you've just literally, you've tipped everything on the floor and gone, right, this is everything I've got to work with. And then in sort of four weeks time, you're halfway through, you've plateaued and it's like, well, the only thing you can do now is drop more calories or up your output. Well, you're not eating enough to up your output and you don't want to go down any more calories because you're getting towards it being slightly unsafe if you are doing training so i think that's one thing that people really need to be mindful of when they are doing a quote-unquote cut is sort of ease yourself into it so it sounds like you've got a really good strategy so is that something that you decide to do or something that your coach prescribed um so my coach he um he also suggests not to do like below a certain amount of weeks to prep which is um obviously obviously so i can maintain that muscle mass as well but um, we follow the same approach like coming out of competing so out of competing I have the same kind of like so I'm gaining probably half a pound to a pound a week so it's a so slow process gaining my weight back up to maintenance I mean in the off season I'm normally like 20 pounds above, above my stage weight but I mean I'll get to that 20 pounds over four to five month period yeah you know, you know not having to crash off yeah yeah because i mean something that me, me and tim spoke about a while ago because we were saying that when he's got a client that's maybe very thin and wants to put a lot of mass on he'll actually maybe prescribe they have a very very big jump in their calorie calories in so they okay. get that initial weight on regardless of it being particularly whether it's muscle or fat they kind of just get size so they, they see that very quick quick results yeah and then when they've had the quick results they've got the size then he drops it ever so slightly so then they lose a little bit and then hopefully they show the muscle underneath all the fat um whereas i said to him that from my point of view someone that's been bigger and then maybe said oh i want to put some muscle on i'd rather do like you were saying and have a very slow increase because i know from my point of view where i've been mentally if i suddenly started just seeing just size regardless of being muscle or fat that would make me go, oh, no, no, I don't like that. And I'd want to straight back be in a deficit again because I'm so geared towards seeing the scales go up and go, oh, it's fat, it's fat, it's fat. Yeah. So obviously, like you said, you've got a really nice slow run-up. Well, you've got a slow run-up both sides. Yeah, I mean, after post I think it is important to do that. So you've got that structure. And like you say, it's, a lot of females as well, they, also, they see it quite negative when they're gaining weight, although you need to gain weight. So without having that big jump, it's... You know, you get used to your body again, get used to looking and being that body composition back to a normal body weight. Because, I mean, even me being 20 pounds of stage weight, I walk around like a normal, slim female. 
You yeah, know? I'm not yeah. overweight, and also I don't need to gain excess amounts of body fat to yeah. get the results that I want. I I track things very tightly. I weigh myself very often, mm. and as long as I know I'm sticking to my macros, um, so I'm getting my protein in, my carbohydrates, and my calories, and um, that my body weight is increasing, that I'm likely to be gaining some muscle. Mm. Yeah, I mean, that's one thing that I always tell people. Um, I always say to weigh yourself every single day and then, you know, divide it by seven and that's your average of the week. And that's something that we got out of the training group that they recommended because I'd always weigh myself once a week. Well, yeah. For me, for example, if I weigh myself on a Monday morning, I know that I've played football on a Sunday night and I'm probably going to be a hell of a lot lighter than I am Tuesday because I'm dehydrated, I've got no glycogen stores, I'm, I'm so then it's like, oh great, I'm really light. But then if I was to weigh myself on Thursday, I'd be like, oh, I've put loads of weight on. So, well, I haven't, I've probably just leveled out. Um, and something as daft as the, the week, I weighed myself two days apart, but the night before, I'd, I'd come home and I'd have like a massive big bowl of cereal, loads and loads of carbs, and then yeah. gone to bed, weighed myself the next morning, oh, I've put on like a pound or a pound and a half. I haven't, obviously. Yeah. But if that was the day that you chose to weigh yourself once a week, it can really play with your mind. Like, oh, God, I've put loads of weight on. Well, you haven't. It's just a bit of water weight or whatever it is from what you've eaten. Yeah. That's why I would say, like, if you do it every day, it helps you maintain a little bit of balance and go, well, no, you you might have a day that sort of spikes up, but then you will have a day that sort of drops down again. It, eventually, you'll just level out. And like you say, then you know you know what you weigh then, basically. Yeah. I can remember starting out with my coach, and I used to say, like, oh, I don't really like to weigh myself. And but obviously, you just, like, explained, obviously, it's the main, one of the main ways of, like, measuring your progress. And um, I think it's just about the mindset. Yeah, because I weigh myself every day, most days. Sometimes I when I sleep over at work when I do night shifts I don't weigh myself but that doesn't worry me I just have a couple of days where I don't and if my weight's um, a pound up or a pound below it's not really a great difference and like you said I know if I've eaten a meal really late at night mm. or changed the food sources that I'm eating that's something that's quite high in sodium um, that that's going to fluctuate as well. Yeah. yeah, it's all about I think knowing you're obviously very now in tune with your body. You know what's going to make things happen and things like that. And yeah, that's that's one of those things that people need to learn over a very long period of time of not just training but dieting or you know tracking food or whatever. I think is you need to have a good relationship with your body to know what it's going to do and when. Yeah. Um, because like you know I played football last night and I weighed myself this morning and I was a kilo lighter. I wasn't a kilo lighter. I was just incredibly dehydrated. Yeah. It's, but, but I, I've not gone around saying, oh yeah, I've lost a kilo overnight because then I could weigh myself tomorrow and I'd be like, oh, it's all back on again. Yeah. I mean, I average it out over the week normally. Yeah. So, um, you know, I have like a document. I love spreadsheets. Mm. Everyone knows that. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, I have a document where I just log in to the most days of the week and then it just averages out, you know, yeah. what my weight is or if I've lost or gained whatever my goal is at that time. Yeah, no, I think that's an absolutely perfect strategy. Um, and I think that would be a fantastic place to leave it. So I'd like to say thank you very much for joining me tonight. Thank you for having me on the podcast. And uh, if you'd like to give yourself a little social media plug, people can follow you and have a look at your uh, your composition, posing and uh, all, the, all that that goes on in there. Yeah, I'm, I'm studies. Uh, yeah, so I'm on Instagram and my name is Nikki Michelle 166 Excellent. So I highly suggest you give her a follow and you can see... Um, the lead up to your next comp which is going to be uh, 2019 pending <laughs> pending <laughs> okay well <laughs> date to be confirmed thank you very much for joining me thank you for having me